the dinner table, Dinner Table Talks, weekly podcast with me, Joe Hillier, and Aislinn Campbell. And we got a seat here open for you. Join us at the dinner table, and you can get involved by finding us on all the different social media and letting your opinion be heard. We have got huge, huge family news that we'll talk about in a little while. And Aislinn, there's an unanswered question from last week that I have been obsessed about. But before we get to that, there seems to be a lot more people coming to the dinner table these days and wanting to share their dinner table stories with us. I actually received a message from one of the local farmers and producers, and they're growing a lot of arugula. I think we recently put that on a pizza. Uh-huh. This particular couple have been pretty loyal fans of the podcast since the very beginning. Uh, their farm is called Gulf Grove Farm. Uh-huh. And they make, you know, all the different types of canned salsas and pickles and all that kind of stuff. They grow vegetables. They're learning how to grow vegetables. They're getting better at it. And um, they're also beekeepers. So they do bee rescue in case somebody's looking for that in our area. But they were listening to the podcast and noticed we'd been talking about arugula quite a bit. And they sent me a message that said, you know, we're just trying to come up with different ways to use arugula right. because, and we've had experiences with that where the arugula, where I've planted arugula and it has just gone crazy and I've got more arugula than I could even know what to do with, arugula lemonade. And so I'm looking forward to us giving that a try maybe this weekend. Arugula mm -hmm. lemonade. Since we're going to the market tonight, it's Wednesday and we'll go to the farmer's market. Let's get some lemons so that we can make some arugula lemonade and double check our arugula in the fridge and make sure it's nice and hearty. And if it's not, let's get another bag of arugula from Gulf Grove Farm. It's the time of year when you're bringing eggplant into the house. How many eggplant plants do you have in our backyard? Probably Six or seven. So the yield... There's five producing currently, literally have eggplants on them. Now, mm -hmm. I know that you just recently planted 175,000 carrots uh, the last time that I heard. 30,000. They didn't germinate as well as I had hoped, so I'm not 100% sure how my carrots are coming out. But everything else that I planted on that same day, beets, a lot turnips. More than five. Radishes. More than six. Oh my God. Okay. So when is the first big wave of this huge level up in the amount of planting that you're doing? When is the first big wave of what? I expect it to be in late December. Of what? D everything. I'm looking forward. It's already, I'm already doing like some online sales of produce sure. right now. Right. And it's just starting to ramp up, but it's already more than what my parents and us can keep up with. I'm talking about in the kitchen in December when we get this massive influx of Well, produce. you're going to have green beans, I'm... kale, radish, lettuce, all those you can count on for Thanksgiving. Those I know for Thanksgiving. Oh, good. See, the tricky part about forecasting right now is that if we get a freeze or a weird cold snap that blows so much cold wind that causes a problem, then you'll lose your beans or your squash. But if you don't, then we're going to have beans, squash, tomatoes, root vegetables, kale, lettuce, all the herbs, eggplant, everything. I got a message too from a friend that's listening, asking some more details about how you made the pizza salt. Oh, I sold some pizza salt yesterday. It's just a good reminder that links to the, all the recipes are in the show notes, wherever you looked at the podcast. Unanswered questions. Last week, you caught us recording in between two of our favorite food festivals. The Greek food festival was the previous weekend. The Jewish food festival was this past weekend. Now, I'm curious, what did happen with our pickles? 
I uh, never got any pickles. I'm the designated <laughs> driver to the food festivals that are doing COVID-based drive-through only this year. So yeah, that night I had to place our online order that included half a dozen of these New York Fly Em Special in pickles. Yeah. Got everything in the order. Super excited for them. Got everything in the order except for my pickles. <laughs> and I was going to go well, back. I think we talked about pickles like 12 times the on the ne- podcast. Yeah. So my mom and I were driving and we're listening to the podcast and we mentioned pickles like five times. I'm going to spoil the podcast for her if I tell her we never got our freaking pickles. <laughs> so now she gets to know we never even got those pickles. I think the Jewish food festival's food outperformed the Greek festival's food this year. Certainly did for me because I just went all in on the grain. I just went, f*** it. I don't care. <laughs> I'm eating this matzo ball and it was divine. We got matzo ball soup, a brisket plate that also included green beans and the kugel, the egg and The kugel was so good. I even ate that. Casserole. Well, as it turned out, they were the one thing that I always tend to order is the bagel and lox. And apparently those were out by the time we got our order. No, that was Sunday only. Oh, okay. And so what ended up happening was I just went all in and went ahead and ate everything. And I ate it at the couch in front of the TV (sighs) with a big old glass of wine. I'm sorry, but I'm not certain that I'm not loving this drive-through food festival concept. Because the thing about the Jewish food festival, the festival part of it never attracted me. Every time I've ever gone, there was a chair to take the food on a I'm tray. I'm standing and in the go most ridiculously long line mm-hmm. with no real entertainment. I'm parking in a neighborhood blocks from the place. And then I'm trying to find one little seat to sit in. And multiple times it's been raining. And, it, and we're all crammed into this tiny little space to like get our food. I'm like, no, this is the way to do it. Support the organizations you want to support, get the delicious food. And go home and eat your food on your couch in front of the TV (laughs) or at the dinner table with your family. Well, I mean, if I was listening and an organizer of the festival, I mean, it's some criticism that I would also suggest. Well, Greek festival is is a nice festival. It's a fun festival. And while you're standing in line, you're like standing in line and there's a stage and a show and people and you can see people and you're talking and it's not all super crowded and you're in and out of the food ordering area really fast. I don't know. I think COVID's giving a lot of systems that are just the way that they are because that's the way we've done it Mm -hmm. before. The opportunity for us to look at them. Absolutely. Somebody yesterday in the midst of a conversation, the post started with People don't really want to be healthy because they won't contribute to their health, but they'll wear a mask to protect themselves from, you know, and they're scared to go out in public. Yes. And that's where the post started, right? It was something like, it is odd to me that people are scared of getting sick today. Right. While they live a sickly life. Correct. There you go. And I said, really? Like that, that's news to you? I've been living that for the last 20 years of my life right. going, you know, that's the whole organization that I started. That was really the goal was to yeah. give people options so that they could choose where that conversation went was that then someone asked, are you going out? And I said, yes, of course I'm going out. And it, ideally, it's been really nice for me because I can turn down invita- more invitations that I don't want to attend. We Back in season one, we talked about that before COVID happened, that Aislinn doesn't really like to go places that often. Like, I'm very picky about public settings anyways. So now, I'm not scared. I just don't want to go and be in those public packed situations. 
so I can say no. But in addition to that, when I go out, there's less people. The restaurants aren't allowed to have as many people in them. If someone's all up in my space, I can say, <clears throat> excuse me, and they back up because that's more of the norm now. Yeah, I like this world better. And I'm taking good care of myself. So I'm well. It has been a blessing that the timing of it has been the effort that you, me to a much, much smaller degree of putting effort into our backyard and our outdoor spaces when we're going to be at home a little more often mm -hmm. and having those outdoor spaces be filled with life and beautiful to be around. That's been a blessing. I've enjoyed that very much. You should have seen the freaking butterflies this morning on the farm. Uh, there were like Wonderland. four butterflies on one zinnia and there are like hundreds of zinnias. A hundred at least. Wow. I mean, they were massive. Totally. I've been obsessed with something you brought up since you brought it up last week. Oh, yeah? Since you verbalized it. You tend to get obsessed with me a little bit here and there. I... <laughs> That's a full episode. By the way, you and a few others are always my fans, super fans. I'd like to think I'd get a special VIP pass. You do, of Thank course. You. <laughs> I want you to dig a hole... And set me on fire. Now, I'd like to carry this wish out, but I have to ask you, is this a real thing? Yes, of course it is. Okay, so I've been obsessed. With, I, I'm not kidding. I've done <laughs> so much research about it. The I'm, funniest thing about this that you're not thinking about from last episode is the part where I told you there's no, there's the likelihood of you predeceasing me is so unlikely. But last wills and testaments are about unlikely events. Okay. So I'm going to hand you a piece of paper with three photographs on it. Okay. This Google search takes you to unconventional funerals. Okay. Unconventional ways that we treat those that inevitably pass. Uh-huh. Love it. Before you ask me to really commit to, I guess, pouring gasoline all over you and setting up you a blaze, your beautiful body. Me. Well, there's a lot to work out in this request. Consider South Korea's emerging trend of departed beads. Now, in a country known for its colors, a lot of South Koreans have started transforming loved ones' ashes into beautiful beads that they lovingly display in glass containers or decorative dishes. No, thank you. The reason why this is happening in Korea is cemetery space is quickly running out. Available land to do it the way we've always done it. Mm -hmm. That one you don't like. No, that's garbage. You can see the beads there. <laughs> that's just like a thing to stack around my house to collect dirt. No, thanks. Okay, what about a sky burial? This is from Tibet. Sky burials are an ancient practice that are still trending in the region that kind of makes up the area of Tibet, Mongolia, parts of India. Known as a jator, loved ones are laid out and offered to giant griffin vultures who consume the dead. Oh, that's interesting. I kind of like that. So basically they put you out for a, these giant vultures to eat you and then fly off with you. Correct. That's f***ing great. I would totally do that. For many Tibetan Buddhists, the ceremony demonstrates important teachings on the impermanence of life. Uh-huh. Now, this gets back to your whole thing where once you're burned and your ashes are mixed with soil to be the bed of a tree, mm -hmm. same kind of concept here. Yeah, this actually goes into this, and we're not going to chase this rabbit, but we might on another episode. And that is the idea of the countries that turn all of their garbage into energy. Yeah. A human body, we What's won't it? call it garbage, but once you're dead, you're garbage. Like <laughs> You are so can we turn that into something? Not both hosts share all views at all times. <laughs> and I'm just playing. I don't mean that in an ugly way, and I'm sorry. But, I mean, really, you are they have to dispose of your body. 
That's what happens. Because if you dispose of a body that's got disease... It's exactly where we're headed. I promise you. Okay, listen. In the United States, this is a new thing. You've heard of burial at sea? Imagine taking the cremated ashes, putting it into concrete, mixing it all together and creating... You know that thing you'd buy at an aquarium store for little fish to dart in and out of holes on a piece of coral? You're creating a bed for coral. Mm Mm-hmm. If you're a scuba diving family, I suppose you could that's, go visit the ground. Yeah, that's that's kind of a remotely interesting idea, but not for me. Now look at that other picture there. That's Italian, the Capsula Mundi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This Mundi. is probably where my idea kind of came from. When I was a kid, my mom would buy pantyhose called legs that came in a egg-shaped big plastic yeah. thing, like a big oversized Easter egg. I know exactly what you're talking Imagine about. Imagine that about a foot and a half by 12 inches, uh-huh. egg-shaped, uh-huh. that you take your loved one's cremated ashes, put it into, and stick it into the ground mm-hmm. that becomes the basis of a tree. If you look this up online, and I even like to post it on some of our social media, it's a fascinating concept. They, It's all self-contained. Yeah. In America, you can get the egg, and then you'd put the ashes in, and then you'd do whatever you want to with it. Mm-hmm. But in Italy, they're, they've created a like a funeral ground called the Special Garden or Secret Garden. You can have your yeah. egg planted with a GPS code that people can look. And, That's cool. But they're also going to do a human-sized one where the actual body is put into the egg, like Mork from Ork. Uh-huh. And you plant the actual body to certain That's dimensions. what I want. That's I want the actual body. Well, it does body. away with like the creepiness and grossness of... Setting me on fire. Setting you on fire. Well, you could just dig a hole and put me in it. But well, the thing about it is, is that a hog's going to come dig it up and pull, well, drag me around. But I mean, if we're enough. leaving it like the griffins coming down and eating my body, then I suppose you could feed me to the wild hogs. Now, to the point of your specific request... I've just handed you a map that has state-by-state home burial regulations. The idea that you can create a family cemetery on your own land. We have to cross that hurdle first. There are three states in the country that do not allow home burials. Uh How do you say it? Burials. 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 Indiana, Washington, California. Can't do it. We're okay. We're in Texas. Now, Texas does allow home burials... But it comes down a lot of times to a county-by-county code. Hmm. So ultimately, if you want me to pursue this, and I'm totally willing to do it, I've got to look at the code and probably go to the county courthouse of the, of the farm. where you. It still says you have to done. embalm or refrigerate, though. That's now, bullshit. Now hold on. Let me get to that. First of all, in Texas, no matter what county you're in, if you have a contagious disease at the time of your death, that has to be reported. Yeah. And the um, the other thing that's really good is that the funeral director is not required in Texas for this to be done. There are 11 states where a funeral service is required for you to do a home family burial. The Texas law is that unless you are placed into a sealed container, uh-huh. that you have to be embalmed or refrigerated. Now, oh. no, that's okay. We yeah, can yeah, just yeah. stick you in the fridge. Yeah, yeah, and there totally. are state-regulated uh-huh. temperatures that must be, you know. And if a, you burn, you have to wait 48, 48 hours. hours. So you're spending 24 hours in a fridge, no matter what. Okay, okay. I can handle that. Okay. This is not bad. This is good. But I would have to get with the county, and then we would have to draw on a map exactly where your body or future bodies we intend in this family plot and file that with the county court. This is what I want. Okay. I want to be a tree. I've got one more piece. Burning your body. Okay. I'm handing you some photographs. 
Oh, this is super cool. From the Creststone End of Life Project uh, yeah. out of Creststone area of Colorado. Now, this hey, is not the only one in America, cool. but it's one of the few places that they will... It looks like a hugaculture bed. <laughs> it's a funeral pyre. Yes. An outdoor area where it is completely legal, and it's only available for the community in this county here, yeah. but uh-huh. they point you to other places where you can maybe get uh-huh. done. Uh-huh. But we're going to prepare your body in any way we want to. We're going to wrap you up in a uh-huh. shroud. This one looks like they got tree limbs and on then, them and but everything. That's, that's done at this place. That you're wrapped in juniper and other uh-huh. fragrant, uh-huh. Yeah, uh, yeah. fragrant this is what I want. branches. This and one. then half a cord of firewood is placed all around you. And the funeral service, where there are seats, and I could go if it's you, is uh, they, they burn you, Viking style. That's super freaking cool. Yeah. This one, this one, this is the one. I mean, you might have to put me in a refrigerator first. Now, the but... reason why I got so obsessed with this is because I realized that on this show, you and I talk about alternative ways of doing things. And so much of the research was about how in America, it is so taboo, like we talked about my parents and their attitude, to talk about death. And to do it outside of the way that it is done. But there mm-hmm. are environmental concerns, mm-hmm. land that's being used, environmental toxins that are put into the body during embalming and lead shields that mm-hmm. are in coffins. It, mm-hmm. it makes me really start to rethink the mm-hmm. way it's all been done. I like this. This is fun. Can you imagine the Sagittarius in me thinking that, I, that I'm going to be set on fire someday? I'm going to call the county courthouse. It's super freaking cool. Of the place... That we're about to move, and my first impression there is going to be asking a lot of weirdo questions, and I really want to get a green light on this before I do it. Okay. You want that service? Uh huh. That yes. one? Yes. And then I want a tree planted. Gotcha. If you're doing that service and you're not really burying my body anymore. Well, there would be ashes created from the burnt cord of wood, your body. Yeah, and you can and put cremated I'm gonna, ashes anywhere. I'm going to put you on a pre dug hole. Uh-huh. I'm going to cover you with some good shit from the nursery, the organic shit, manure and stuff. Uh-huh. And we're going to plant a tree right in the hole. Uh-huh. That's what I want. All right. I have to decide what kind of tree I want to be. I love that you're doing all the work for my burial that you're not going to be at. I think it's important that we put this all down on paper and have all of the legal proceedings in place and in order if my for kids, whatever the day is. If my kids put me in a box in the closet... I'm going to haunt the shit out of them forever. Okay, I'll do something different with it. <laughs> One of my favorite foods is pork ribs. And all of a sudden the other day you said, I'm going to make ribs. And I said, do it. And then you said, what do you want to do? What kind of seasoning do you want? And then I said, ooh, why right, don't you right, do right. something like Asian and sweet? I have been using... Google terms for finding recipes that are more Asian-inspired, Turkish. I'm really trying to expand. I'm trying to improvise. And I've learned about myself that I improvise once I have, just like a drummer. You can't improvise if you don't know like drumming technique. Mm -hmm. But once you know drumming technique Mm -hmm. or gardening technique or probably dozens of things, then you can begin to improvise with this grain-free pizza crust. Mm-hmm. I need to know some baking generalities before I can improvise and do something a little different. Yeah. Well, I, I want to do Asian-inspired, Indian-inspired with comfort and ease. Oh, yeah. And then figuring out what, what you're going to do with all of those vegetables. Sure. Absolutely creates sure. a situation like that. I had two racks of ribs. Well, and the not to constantly shit on the American diet, but... It's kind of boring in that we're going to eat radishes the same way every time. 
and we're going to eat eggplant the same way every time. But if you've got as many eggplant and radishes coming out of your backyard as we do, you do not want to eat them the same way every time. Yeah, but that speaks also just to like our coupleship. The way we feed off of one another creates an energy of let's try a bunch of different new things Mm -hmm. with the means that we have to do it at the time. Right. And I mean, I think that of course our kitchen's going to be the same way. It's fun. I like it. I find myself getting into ruts that I have to just break out of. I have to hulk through. So yeah, that was the question. I've got these two racks of ribs. You want me to do it the way I've always done it? Let's try something different. Let's you said Asian. And then, of course, it's always, you're like, well, I think I'll make those mashed potatoes again and because I got some more turnips from the farmer's market. And Well, it would be the first turnip mashed potatoes of the season. Listen, y'all, you haven't eaten mashed potatoes as good as the ones that have also roasted turnip and roasted garlic in them as well. Yeah, I did the ribs in the oven, 275, for three hours with a dry rub. And then I put a sticky sauce on it and broiled that, and there's your ribs. But the turnip mashed potatoes that have become kind of the staple in the house. They amplify your mashed potatoes to such a level. Like, I would almost guarantee you that the best chefs in the world are not just serving you mashed potatoes when they serve mashed potatoes. That they're putting flavor pops or they're putting yeah. some roasted turnip in there because they know you won't know the difference anyways. And it makes the flavor of the potatoes so much better. First thing I do is I get an entire bulb of garlic, cut the tips off, oil, foil in the oven. Four, and then you bring me some. 400 for half an hour. And then I pinch it. <laughs> and if it's soft enough to go into some mashed potatoes, I take it out. Or otherwise, I leave it back in. The next time I do that, I'm just going to go ahead and make two bulbs of garlic and hand you one of them when it comes out of the oven. I love garlic. What do you do when I give you that bowl with I just, just like, eat a, it. like a snack? Yep. Garlic. Yep. Here's my theory. If something tastes delicious and it's good for you, you should just eat it like a snack whenever. <laughs> and I eat a lot of garlic because garlic is really good for you and it helps to fight viruses and yeah, fungi. It's good for your liver. Fun guys, fun guys, fun guys. Yeah, it's good for your liver. The easiest way that I do the mashed potatoes, with or without the turnips, is I peel them. I peel them. I've decided to peel my mashed potatoes. Gotcha. I'm yeah, over, that makes I'm sense. I'm over the 90s chilies lead skin in mashed potatoes. I'm over that trend. <laughs> I never, That's where all the dirt is. Never liked it. So I peel those potatoes, cut them into quarters, whatever, and boil them for 20 minutes and then check them. Check them by sticking a fork in them, seeing if they falling apart if they're still firm if you add turnips the ratio for me is about three parts turnips five parts potatoes and how do you cook the turnips again i just put them in with the potatoes during oh, the you boil, boil it. it's the same oh. exact thing so you're not roasting the turnips not roasting the turnips if i'm on a faster time uh-huh. thing so then you drain them when they're ready you put them in your mix master with the entire thing of the roasted garlic squeezed out like toothpaste into the bottom of your mix master. Last year when the dill was going crazy, last there's an episode from last season. Mm-hmm. When the dill was going crazy, you made the mashed potatoes same way, but with, with dill. dill in them a couple times. Yeah. Oh, freaking A, that was good. An entire stick of butter. Don't oh. even, just a whole entire stick of butter. Mm-hmm. And then your potatoes, salt. And you mix, 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 mix until it's exactly the way you want to. Splash in milk if you need to. And I always love the reaction that I get from you for those turnip mashed potatoes. I freaking love them. They're so good. You have been making 
little salads, all the different, because, I mean, because we've got arugula and yeah. we've got kale and we've got radishes coming out our ears and only more radishes to come. And I saw a recipe about massaging kale for five minutes for something. And I've heard the phrase massaging mm-hmm. kale, mm-hmm. but I looked into massaging kale and massaging kale is the key and the tip and the trick for eating, getting more kale eaten in your house mm-hmm. because it lettuceizes kale, which can sometimes be bitter. No, I'm talking about the texture Thick, of it. Texture, yeah. Yeah, thicker mm-hmm. to and firmer, more firm in your mouth. A well, firmness I'm... that might take the... I, that's a texture I don't really enjoy. You massage that kale. Mm-hmm. It also has a lot to do with where you're getting the produce from. And because you're getting it from me and out of our backyard, you're getting... The good stuff. You're getting the freshest. <laughs> but it still could use a massage. Yeah. I mean, if you really want to make it as yeah. texturally delicious as possible. I know, mm-hmm. I've learned that in the last... Since the kale began coming in a couple of weeks ago. Mm, the okay. kale, the arugula, the spinach, that's all going into a salad mix. And yeah. that got me thinking, you know, ranch is great. Love ranch. Yep. Yep. But, but we always have ranch in the fridge can be a crutch where you're not trying other dressings. So uh, I do like ranch. brought three or four different dressings in in the last three or four weeks. Just trying to try new things. My vinaigrette maker. God, life is good right now. Mm-hmm. Tastes good. You keep bringing the kale. I'll keep trying it with various I different brought- salad dressings. I brought you some kale and some yard-long beans in there in the kitchen. I'm immediately thinking chicken-based stir-fry. I can't wait to try it. Coming soon. We'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned at the top of the episode that we have big news in our family. This is big family news. No matter your family, this is big family news. I have this little bitty baby laying in my lap right now. We adopted a baby? We totally adopted a baby. His name is Kai Shen. In the Chinese tradition, he is the god of wealth and power, an alchemist who could turn iron into gold. He's also a toy poodle. There has to be a story behind this. Yeah, absolutely. There's, without a doubt, there's, a, there's actually a long story. <laughs> Do we have time? Over the years at the dinner table, as one might imagine in any family, there's always been conversation about us getting a dog. It's kind of like getting married. We get real gung-ho about it for a little while, and then we decide that we're not going to do that for a little while. And we've done that with the dog almost as many times as we've just thought about actually going to the getting it done. Yeah, exactly. So there's there was all the back and forths about getting a... I know, right? All the back and forths about getting a dog from the shelter. You know, um, there's a lot of feral animals in our area that definitely need homes. But for our lifestyle and the work that I do... And the way we keep our yard and the types of chickens, you know, the fact that we have animals in our yard and things like that. We had to be very particular about making sure that we got an animal that I could control. Back when we first met, mm-hmm. I had a three-legged toy poodle yes. named Levi. I think that I met you or I was meeting you or seeing you again for the first or second time. And you had a purse mm-hmm. and I, oh, good to see you again. Da, 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 and then boop. This like head, head pops out uh-huh. of the purse and there's a dog near your armpit. Yeah, that, that was That's Levi. That's Levi. Yeah. That was Levi. He was a champion, bred, trained, had won awards, everything. Very young poodle. And during his training and all of those types of things, he had jumped down from the grooming table, which is a big no-no for little tiny dogs, and broke his leg. Mm. And after repeated 
trying to heal the leg. The leg just would not heal. And anybody that knows anything about dogs that get bred and things like that, that breeders, that are good breeders, don't keep more dogs than they need. And they work really hard to make sure that they find pets, good homes. And they're very particular about that. And so before he actually had even finished with having his leg amputated, the owner of him, who was also, who's a breeder, her family had bred poodles forever. She's a teacher at my ex-husband's school. And we were just talking. All of a sudden she says, you know, I've been looking for a home for this very, very important dog. What would you think about taking him? Oh, oh, I've never had a poodle before. I have no idea what that would be like. And we are, but we already had a dog in the house. We had our, our um, Labrador retriever, who's a very, very good dog. And my life fit the ability to carry a dog around with me wherever I went. No big deal. And so I took Levi in and he was great. I loved him. We had him for maybe a year and a half, I think. When the divorce happened, life just got too complicated for Levi for his best interests, to keep him groomed. And I was living out on the farm and the farm was such a new established mm-hmm. place that it didn't have fences and it didn't, there wasn't good protection for him. And he was, he was getting sticker burrs in his hair and I, I couldn't really afford to get him groomed. And as it turned out, another teacher at the school who is a single woman had just kind of reached out a few times. Oh, I love your dog. He's so sweet. And anytime I would ever have him with me, she would want to hold him and didn't have anybody at home. And so all of a sudden, one day, it just popped into my head. I'm going to call her and ask her what she would think about taking Levi. Levi needs a mama that needs him. Levi needs a lap. Levi needs easy life. He needs grooming. He needs, you know, whatever. It was the best decision I could have ever made. In ways, I felt like we just fostered him for a little while right. till he found his mama. Right. I loved that dog. I know. So anyways, when we started th- talking about potentially getting a dog and getting a little bit more serious about it, it was probably about a year ago. Because oftentimes it's you and the kids kind of trying to talk me into, you know, hey, do you want to get a dog? We should yeah. get a dog. Let's get a dog. And finally, about a year ago, I said, okay, but it has to be what I want. <laughs> Imagine that. Right. And I said, if I can get a hold of a toy poodle bred by very, very, very good people that are good with their animals. So I'm going to contact the same woman that I connect with. And I'm just going to let her know that if she comes across a dog that needs a home to let me know. And then nothing happened for a long, long time. Oh God, nothing, (laughs) nothing, 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 nothing. And then on Sunday morning, while I was doing my morning meditation, not kidding you, not even a little bit, 6.30 AM in the morning, I get a message. My friend has one. And she needs it to have a home. And he's 15 weeks old. Yes. And I'm telling you, man, this little guy, I truly feel like he was heaven sent. This dog has proven to me just how diabolical you can be because you drive up past San Antonio to pick up the dog with you, your mom, partner in crime. And you get the dog, your your mom's driving, the dog's in your lap for three hours, this impressionable young mind in your lap, probably feeding it bacon. Uh, The warmth of your your bosom representing the warmth of his mother, brothers and sisters, a couple of puppies. And it has become clear to me that your trick here is to imprint the dog to you the way a baby chicken might do with a human. Because that dog does not want to leave your side. If I take the dog out, all it wants to do is run back to the door to find you. When you're in the bathtub, the dog <laughs> is a neurotic just a mess. Baby. <laughs> the 
dastardly you. <laughs> no, listen, heaven sent. That dog came to me. This little guy is my Kaishen. Oh, I understand that that's the position that you're taking. I will just steal emotionally, figuratively, literally the dog from you from time to time. Because I like dogs. And if this yes. is the dog, then this is my dog. He's so sweet. I love him to pieces. All of that being said, we are super happy to have him. You will see pictures of him and you will hear stories of him because he will be at the dinner table. Oh, by the way, he has bad snacking habits that apparently they were giving him snacks from the dinner table so i might have to we're curbing that behavior break that behavior uh, notice that you did find a sack oh god he hangs out satchel he is literally the pocket poodle that i needed he just hangs out with you in a sack yeah. pokes his head out just like levi two days of farming and gardening with me actually outside working yeah day two uh-huh. just fell asleep in the bag perfectly happy to just hang out there i mean every once in a while i feel him shift around but yeah that was it my mom and I, though, have been making quite a bit of trips to San Antonio and back. Picking up Kaishin was just one of those trips. But I've been going up and back a lot because uh, San Antonio is only two hours from us, but it's a quick two-hour drive. Yeah. I mean, it is like... It's a great place for a overnight stay or a weekend when you just uh, want to get out of town and try some things that you don't get in Corpus Christi. It definitely is good for that, but I think it's gone beyond that at this point. When you're driving 75 miles an hour and you get there and back... You go do business there. San Antonio has a um, a dental school, and I am having some massive dental work done. I'm not going to talk about that today, but we will talk about that because that's definitely a conversation at the dinner table. But that being said, since we're going to San Antonio quite a bit, we have begun stopping at our favorite grocery stores on our way back. You know, we have an um, explosive, expansive amount of products available to oh, you yeah. that just aren't available here. Right. That's a that's such a smart thing to take advantage of, actually. Oh, yeah, of course. But also, they're forward leading edge for South Texas as it relates to farm-to-table foods and things oh, yeah. like that. And there's a restaurant that we love to go to up there called Cured. We've talked about it on the show last season. Mm-hmm. So we had lunch at Cured. And because of the timing of the day, we actually were able to sit outside in the courtyard. Now... The restaurant Cured is actually in a place that back when I was little, we I actually grew up in San Antonio Bernie area till the fourth grade. So we lived up there for a very long time. And there was a cannery, a, a brewery. Pearl Brewery. Pearl Brewery there. It's still there, but it's not a brewery anymore. Right. Basically, they have went in, someone purchased it and went in and turned it into a shopping complex, basically, and a place with restaurants. Mixed use. Right on the river walk. Yeah, very you know. trendy and cool and awesome. And, and it's got, hands down, one of the coolest, I, I will stay there soon, Hotel Emma. It's an amazing place. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just fun. They have a great farmer's market and, you know, it's all, it's definitely all like trendy, she, she, you know stuff going on up there but the outdoor part of it is just a fun place to be outside while also eating this amazing farm to table food and my mom ordered we like to share of course my mom ordered the pork belly poutine so mm. that's like french fries with like oh. gravy on top basically if you don't know what that is cheese and gravy and it was yeah. pork belly this, poutine. this restaurant came up when we were talking charcuterie last year and about how it was one of the places where you and I together kind of really enhanced our education 
about high level charcuterie. Yes, yes. This is a place that where you could, if the party was large enough, order a full pig, mm-hmm. a Hawaiian type or, you know, whatever, to come out to the table. And that happened one time when we were there. And that mm-hmm. was fun to watch from yeah, the near distance. the holidays. Yeah. Fantastic beer selection cocktails, but the uh, the meat, it's a meat based mm-hmm. restaurant. And Cured. They're, they're doing mm-hmm. amazing things. Mm-hmm. I'm so jealous. I, I hate these stories. <laughs> so, so she ordered that and I had a few bites of that and it was really, really delicious. And then I ordered a cheese plate mm. and added foie gras to it. Oh. Foie, foie gras? Foie gras. Foie gras. Foie gras. Go ahead. Foie gras. And then it had, it had three cheeses, all from uh, Way Creamery, mm. which is a, a, in the San Antonio area, Creamery. We've bought cheese from them before. And then, of course, some different types of pickles and bread and butter pickles and mustard seeds. I love yeah. those. Different, well, you sent me a photo. It looks like caviar. Like, what are the little beads? Mustard seeds. Mm-hmm. Unground mustard. Right. Mm. If I have, if I'm completely honest, I didn't think the foie gras was that good. Uh oh. Foie gras. We need to look that one up. Foie gras. We got it. Foie gras. Foie gras. But but I feel like there's a challenge that needs to happen here. I mean, I oh, don't God. know like how we're gonna challenge the foie gras, but I feel like I need to taste more foie gras. Yeah. To be able to say whether I like it or not. I understand. Because I wasn't super in love with this particular. It's like the first time thing. you taste a beer. I'm not sure. It's not it's, the first what's time. What's all the fuss about? It's not the first time I've had it before, but in the past I've had different other types of charcuterie things around. So other little like terrines of this and that and whatever. And this wasn't that. This was just cheese. And then I had added one little thing. And I think their menu is really pared down right now. I'm guessing probably because of the COVID stuff like yeah. everyone else's. It was also lunchtime, so we weren't getting the lunch. Actually, we were getting the happy hour time. We hit the happy hour time. But in addition to that, you know, I'm always going to order a salad. And the truth is, is that when it came down to it, interestingly enough, a place called Cured. Mm-hmm. The meat heavy? My favorite dish this day, this particular time, was the salad what that we ordered. It? And it was, was an, so good about it? It was an arugula salad. Oh, uh, okay. Actually... When we were in Charleston and I had talked about that delicious arugula salad with squash on top. Yeah. And then it had salad. I think it had pears or apples or something like that. And then it had some sort of a brittle on top of uh-huh. it as well. Yeah. This was that salad. It had kabocha squash. And then it had millet brittle on top of it. Okay. They took that squash. Mm-hmm. And I'm just looking at photographs. They mandolined it out to mm-hmm. be thin. Mm-hmm. And did they bake it? Was it crispy? Uh, no. Not when I was It looked like a crouton. It might have been at one point. Made with that squash. Mm -hmm. And then the dressing that they used, they used creme fraiche to make the dressing. Okay. So it's creme fraiche dressing, arugula. I don't know that there was any other green in the salad. Just arugula, kabocha, and then this millet brittle brittle on top. And then, of course, the pansy flowers. Yeah. It was really, really, really good. See, I I looked at that photo and I was inspired. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make a chip out of an eggplant. Because that's what I thought was on that salad. We'll talk about that next week. But yeah, it was really good. And then, of course, we had a cocktail or two. They do a um, a drink called the the Starter Kit. It's kind of their thing. It's a grapefruit margarita, basically. So we had that. And then we shared a the same drink that we had over at Goldfish the other night. Yes. And I told you it wasn't good. Like, I didn't think the drink was good. Abuelita. That's the drink I had. Uh-huh. That we sh- we shared that one. Cured abuelita. Incredible. Oh god, it was so good. Yeah. You could taste the coffee. You could taste the mezcal. 
It wasn't super sweet. It was such a good drink. So I'd like to make, I'd like to make that one. <laughs> I'd like you to make me that drink. That's right. <laughs> but I want to have that. I'd like to make that drink. I agree. No, 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 wait. Joe, I meant I'd like you to make that drink. Okay. I, I can do that. So what am I doing? I see it's the uh, eggplant chips, the abuelita, and the arugula lemonade. And <laughs> we got to throw another pizza crust in there soon. It's also time for us to do another dinner table talk uh, code of ethics. Oh. I'm going to throw that out there. Maybe next week. It's also time for you to make me some lamb pate with that lamb, lamb liver we got. Mm-hmm. We're also in this weird place with this episode where we've got two or three meals from the past that are, I guess, going to fade into obscurity. Yeah. I did some uh, Asian pork chops. I wasn't even here that night when that, y'all made we that. We talked about it last week when I said I made green beans and have leftovers uh -huh. for you, baby. That was that night. And uh -huh. then I also did, I just want to mention this because eggplant, we have a lot of it. We're trying to come up with new ways. I mentioned a Turkish, a Turkish yeah. eggplant yeah. beef stew. I made it, was it in my really Instant good. Pot. I like that. We'll call that a um, bonus. And mm -hmm. I want to post that recipe because if you've got an Instant Pot mm -hmm. and you're trying to do something with eggplant or you just want to follow along at home with our fun, mm -hmm. make this recipe. Mm -hmm. You liked it a lot. I did like it. And you served it over quinoa, which yeah. meant I could eat it right. over a grain type thing, you know? I've decided upon listening that I don't like going when you say table topics. I like your table topics there. I don't like my sound effect. Okay. <laughs> play, play along with me. I don't know how to play along with that, though. But it is that time of the show. So I've got a question here. You have never seen it. I have never seen it. I just drew it. It is from the Bachelorette Party Table Topics Edition. When was the last time you embarrassed yourself in public? What's the last time I embarrassed myself in public? <sighs> I've got one for myself, if you'd like to think a little while. Yeah, I guess. I don't really I went to a guy's birthday party. You were there. There was fun karaoke. It was a great night. People started giving toast. It was a monumental birthday party. 30, 40, that kind of thing. Someone's birthday party? Who? You'll quickly remember the story. I get up to make a toast and I congratulate oh, God, yeah. him and his girlfriend, who we know fairly well, yes. for their engagement. And <laughs> he's at this stage in his life. He's found this lovely woman and they're going to have a life together. And she comes running up to me and goes, we're not engaged. And then they proceeded to break up like a week later. and It wasn't a week. Huge embarrassment. I had to go over to the parents of the mom or dad to say, I got that wrong. Now, we huddled over in the corner, me and some mutual friends, and they said to me, we thought they were engaged too because there were some social media posts that had led to that that many, many, many people saw. So I was kind of justified in this very, very embarrassing behavior, but... That was a good one. In my thought processes, I think that's kind of a Joe show moment. <laughs> when I stepped other off ones. of the little dais thing, a couple of my friends were like, no, we don't understand what the problem was either. We thought they were engaged. No, it wasn't. Go ahead. What's yours? <laughs> it's not the Joe parade. Although <laughs> no. me listing embarrassing things I've done in public would probably tickle you to death for the rest of the afternoon. I can't think of one. I, I really can't. Like, um... I can't think of one. Can you think of one? I can think that I don't think that you're so lame that this is going to be maybe our first unanswered table topics question from your side of the room. The last time some that I felt embarrassed. 
When is the last time you embarrassed yourself in public? Last time I embarrassed myself in public. We're leading unanswered questions with this next week because I know you've embarrassed yourself in public. When? I know that you have. Not both hosts share all views. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. Favorite time of the year around here when it comes to when it comes to international cuisine. Oh yeah, it's our favorite time of the year around our city. Continue. I'm not going to. Now I forgot what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs>